Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. I'm excited to welcome my guest today all the way from down under in Sydney, Australia, Christian Boo Bukusis. See, I got it right. The guy has done it all from joining the Royal Australian Air Force at the age of 18, successfully graduating as a fire pilot and achieving his life stream of flying an F-18 solo at the age of 21. Most kids don't even drive cars. And after 11 years of service, he was medically discharged, ending his dream career and presenting him with the biggest emotional and financial challenge of his life. I'm excited to unpack that journey and a whole lot more of how he went from flying jets to the business world and eventually traveling to Afghanistan to establish what is today one of the largest humanitarian service providers, CTG Global, and onto real estate and other ventures. This should be a good one, folks. Lots to talk about. So let's get to it. It is early morning there. With a uh, my man Christian, we'll call him Boo for everyone following at home. Boo, welcome to the podcast. Cheers, Adam. Thanks a lot. And I'll tell you what, mate, you've got a free kick with your last name in the podcast. I mean, that's just that's just gold right there. It was a freebie. I love that. It was a freebie. I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's pronounced Posner, but when I was a kid, I was it was Pos because some people say Posner, and I just went with it. So my nickname back then was a Pos. So let's get to it. Um, we're gonna go a little bit backwards here, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about current events. The world is changing, you know, rapidly right in front of our eyes. You have had the the privilege to spend a lot of time in Afghanistan and truly understand the country, the people, the dynamic, and the history more than most. So I'd love if we could just take a step back and I'd love to get your perspective of what the heck is happening there and your outlook uh, of the future for, for the country and, and the good people that live there. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, and it's interesting that we perceive the world now as being disruptive and crazy. And, you know, whereas we're just recycling through uh, human history all over again. And no better place to sort of highlight that than the, than the graveyard of empires, which is Afghanistan. Uh, I mean, that place has broken the back of just about every empire that ever existed. Uh, it's unconquerable. Uh, and it, it's a beautiful country. It's, it's amazing. Uh, when I first landed there it was still post oh, man, about four or five years after uh the uh, initial foray in there from um, the coalition right and it was on the rebuild very hot it was the middle of summer very brown but if you and kabul's you know like any city you know it's, there's a there's a uh, there's a singer in australia country singer that says you know every effing city is just the same uh, it's his whole song uh, and it is. It's busy. It's crowded. Uh, but when you get out of Kabul and you get into the the mountains and uh, the the terrain, it's a it's a beautiful country. But it is a it is a fortress. It is a natural fortress. And I think what we're seeing now is uh, one history repeating itself in terms of uh, the, uh, the 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 empire of the day. Uh, 
being forced to, to move out of the country because it couldn't be it couldn't be tamed. Uh, two, uh, we, we're just seeing this disintegration in everything's becoming tribal again. Whereas we had this kind of unity uh, in the night in the air after World War Two, sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, ramped up in the golden era, started the tip in the 80s, and it's just been a gradual downhill uh, from the 90s. And, and I think Afghanistan is again just one of those. It just highlights how complex it is for anyone to get involved in, in another country's uh, politics. Even if it's well-intentioned, right. it's just hard because people people are people. So when you when you talk about how do you feel uh, when this when when this is all going down, um, I feel like it was inevitable. And you know, mm. I just thought it would happen ten years ago when I was there, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. Um, you know, I I thought it was just about to go bang back then. Uh, it felt like it was on, on a precipice. There's a powder keg. Some great work. Yeah, some great work had been done. A lot of freedoms have been brought to to the country. Uh, but yeah, it's I feel for the veterans. I feel for the for the men and women who That was my next question. Really, yeah, they don't yeah, you know, it's most veterans are there to serve their country, right? And and they're they do what they're told. You know, they're there to serve and and they fundamentally believe that then that when they're, they're over there they're making a difference and they absolutely were. So for them there's a great sense of questioning purpose now uh, and what was that all about and particularly uh, people who, who lost loved ones or their major like a lot of horrific injuries uh, yeah. as a result of it. It, it, in my business I had four of, of my guys uh, killed in terrorist attacks over there oh, you know so it was it's heartbreaking for, for all of these people in this in this trail of destruction um, it's it's her, her, horrendous so uh, yeah what's that saying it's um when when one person dies, it's a tragedy. When a million people die, it's a statistic. Uh, it's and it's a bit like that. Like it's it's such a huge, complex environment. The politics are so fluid, and you're coming up against you know the clash of civilizations. There's, there's so much going on there that I, that I think it was inevitable that we, we would end up here. And I wouldn't be surprised if it it goes back to exactly how it was it's crazy. years ago. I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, all these armchair quarterbacks, it's so easy for people just to, you know, run their mouths on social media and, and you can't sum up, you know, hundreds of years of history and unrest in one, one social media, one angry social media post. Look, we humans crave simplicity and create complexity, right? It's a, we, we, we have well to said. be able to, we feel like we just have to be able to sum up something really complex in, in a single statement. Uh, and, and we love sound bites. That's, that's how we're, that's how we're designed. And, and unfortunately, you know, the media has now been exposed a little bit to latching onto that, particularly commercial media, because it has to create a sound bite to of create course. eyes. It's the shortest, shortest tension span. That's exactly what yeah, it is. It, completely. You know, is anyone going to go back and uh, you, you could write theses and spend an entire lifetime as an academic reviewing the looking at the ins and outs of afghanistan i mean it was only you know when i, when I was there i was talking to people who were uh you know american australian british that they were over there in the 70s and they never left and they they were literally wow. afghans because back then in the 70s and the 80s it was it was beautiful and there were trees everywhere and you know everyone could smoke their uh, opium pipes and do whatever you wanted to do it was it was like hippie central just liberal uh, yeah yeah and it's just there's all these little hot spots around the world that are that are a confluence between these different religions, different cultures, and they just end up, you know, hmm. it just ends up being a point of conflict. It's a bit like a, and, a bit like when you go from a nice suburb in a city it, and you gradually make what, your way out to 
they call that they call that they call that crossing the the other side of the tracks here that's what we we call it we call it the other side of the tracks here um in the states so let's let's hit the rewind for a button you know at what age what age was that first spark that first passion to say i want to fly jet planes i think i was about five or six so it was it was it's interesting now as i'm in my mid-40s and i look back and one of the things I do is help people uh, try and comprehend, you know, what their purpose is or what, what is purpose. What their why. Simon says yeah, their why. why. Find your why. Yeah. I found it when I was six. So I, I just never, ever had that journey. It, it, I, I see the benefits of it because it made life really easy because all I had to, to do was do stuff to if, fulfill. Focus that on that goal. You knew since you were six. But, yeah. what, but what was it at the age of six? Were you, was it was anybody else in your family fly planes? Was it just, you know, this, uh, you were enamored with, with, with the speed, with the jet fighters, with the action? What was it? Yeah, I think where, where we lived was uh, we were in between two airports, like a little airport where small planes flew and, and then the military base where and it was F-111s back in the day used to fly over. So there was that was part of it. And then uh, dad took me to an air show over in uh, uh, when, yeah when I was six went to, went to this air show and I think uh, it's a very visceral experience when you're that small and you're moving around these huge pieces of equipment and they're flying yeah you know, back in those days there were no rules so they were extra low extra fast uh, and the smell of the jet fuel the pilots the flight suits the colors the, everything course. about it was just like wow it's like being dropped in the middle of a Star Wars movie think, <laughs> yeah this would be this would be cool to do as a, oh, I don't know if I thought I, oh, that, I want to do that as a job. I just saw it all. And from that day onwards, I just did everything I could to be a, to be a pilot. And so, so what, it, what it highlighted to me was with, with purpose, you do things that you wouldn't normally do. You know, every, everywhere, every step along the way there from a kid all the way through, everyone knew I wanted to be a fighter pilot, right? So whenever they that came kid. across anyone who happened to be a fighter pilot or, or could influence my, career they would always say oh, i know a young kid who wants to be a pilot and get their phone number and i'd meet a, a fighter pilot here and someone else there it's early networking up to the base i'd go flying in an army helicopter i'd spend a week on you know on work experience and my whole life i was constantly getting immersed in that environment because everyone knew you know my nickname was bomber back then that oh, bomber that's a good one really... so would you, would you <laughs> say me... would you say that top gun had a big influence in your life I was already I was already all in before Top Gun, but it was definitely a it was definitely um, nuclear fission when that when that. Oh, movie I mean, it was it was it was a per, it was a perfect storm. They're working on the sequel. I think the sequel is set to come out, and and I don't know. We're, we'll we'll see how they if they don't bomb that sequel. You know, we talk about sequels all the time, but you know, when when you when you talk about that journey, it, it's you know we're kind of summarizing it here, but there had to be challenges along the way. What was that? Listen, your 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 career trajectory into the Air Force was set from an early age, but what was that first big stumbling block, that first big roadblock that hit you in the face where you really faced an obstacle that you had to overcome in that journey to being a fighter pilot? Uh, the first one was getting knocked back the first time um, to be uh, to join to go to our military academy and get a degree before you become a pilot. So I was, I still applied for that during school. Uh, and they said to me, oh, look, do you really want a degree or do you want to just fly? And I said, I want to just fly. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't think this is for you. Maybe hmm. unlike the US where everyone has to go to college in Australia, you can just be a pilot off the street, right? Really? So why don't you apply next year to be a, to be a pilot? So so that was the first one. It was like, oh, it would have been hmm. nice to you know, have just locked that away. So I could have just gone straight to the academy from school. Hmm. Uh, 
so that that was the the first one then then the the second one was my eyesight was marginal um, and this is again where purpose conquers everything purpose and commitment so when i went to get my eye test the the uh, ophthalmologist said oh look you know you're you're probably just on the on the side where you need glasses uh, and i was like i was devastated and i was like almost in tears and i said so oh, close you know I was like, man, really, really? And he goes, well, you know, how badly do you want it? You know, I said, look, this is my life's dream. All I, all I want is to fly fighter jets, nothing else. And he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll just sign you up as if you've got perfect vision. Then after you're in, make sure you go and get yourself a pair of glasses. That's a, so that's a good that? guy right there. So that there's a black and white. And every time I hear someone tell me that there's a black and white reason or the government says this or the rules say that, I human human nature conquers all of that there's it a way always there's a way you gotta if you're you, passionate about something people it's infectious you know for that for that guy there he's win that day was bending the rules ever so slightly to help someone achieve their life dream i mean so he's had a win i've had a win i, I ended up being a fighter pilot air force had a win so we just interpret the great, rules there. Right? That's a great story. And and just to give everyone, you know, how, how rare it is what you do. So you're one of only 400 pilots trained within a 38-year period. That's pretty fine. Yeah, so our entire Air Force fits on one U.S. aircraft carrier, right? So that's how small we are. <laughs> no, I, lo- uh, I, I so love it. And, 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 you know, what would you say, you know, is uh, whatever, whatever you could share, what's one, one of the craziest stories that you've had while, while up in the air? I mean, I assume you've had some pretty close calls. You've had a punch out. Yeah, you've, we're lucky in Australia. We haven't had anyone eject from a, from a jet for nearly. You do, I mean, well, I'm asking. It's a difference, obviously, in the simulators. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, look, you know, there's, there's always interesting phenomena. The thing I used to love doing uh, in, in the aircraft was climb up to its, operational ceiling as high as you're allowed to go which is 50,000 feet and it's at that at, at that height during the day the sky starts to go purple like you can and you can maybe you're just convincing yourself but, but you can see a little bit of curvature and almost that, in space that, yeah almost well not, you're you're, yeah. you're Branson level maybe Bezos level I don't know if you're Branson level yet right <laughs> not yeah a little bit a little bit more but um but yes that used to be really peaceful you know and, and give you this huge perspective on things uh, so, so that was pretty cool. Um, other other amazing phenomenon is St. Elmo's fire. So as you fly around uh, near storm clouds, you know those big balls that, that put out electricity and you put your fingers on and it goes, yeah, your canopy, the aircraft could turn into that. You could put your fingers on the canopy and all this electricity would, would come through the, the um, perspex, which was you know, pretty amazing, particularly when you've got live weapons on board uh, with electric fuses. And um, yeah, and... It, Probably something that's given me perspective in, in life as well as I had, I had four uh, near misses, <clears throat> nothing nothing to do with me, just but by the grace of God, where four other aircraft almost ran into me uh, when you when you're traveling at you know a thousand twelve hundred miles per hour, uh, and and every time that happens, you're like, that that could have been the end right there, that that literally could have just snuffed the whole story out, um, and every time that happened, it always it always made me think. You've got to squeeze as much into every day as you as you possibly can, because it's when it's over, it's over. Um, there's, that, there's that finality. But is that adrenaline rush part of it? I mean, listen, there had there's a certain type of breed of people that 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 fly fighter jets, right? You're, I mean, would you consider yourself yeah. an adrenaline junkie? No, look, it's really interesting. Like if you saw a squadron of fighter pilots, they're all so different. There's 
there's tech nerds, there's jocks, and there's there's small white dudes that eat pies all day. You know, like there's there's it's just a real microcosm of, of society. And one, the one thing fighter pilots have in common is is their passion for the job, is the passion for aviation mm-hmm. and flying at the peak of aviation, like flying it an aircraft that you can point straight up at the sky and it and it accelerates, right? So so that's that's what we we have in common. Um, we're not like Top Gun is a aberration. Uh, it is not even the U.S. military doesn't work like that. No, uh, we're far no. more far more subdued, far more professional. Um, you know, you, you just don't. You just it's not a Yahoo job. It's a very serious. It's of a course, very serious I mean, it's a it's a very, very serious. Most fighter pilots, most fighter pilots, when they join, they're like, "God damn, why didn't someone tell me it wasn't like Top Gun? This is hard work." No, it's actually um, it's actually it's actually <laughs> incredibly hard work. Um, you spoke about something interesting for that that moment of serenity when you're up there. Tell us what the, what that feels like, right? When it's just you, the machine, and the sky. Yeah, that's an important connection. You and the machine, like having, because that's how a fighter jet is to a fighter pilot. It's not, it's an extension of your body. You're like integrated into it, right? So you you have a thought, and the, the machine moves. It, it, it's complete. You're totally synergized, and the next generation of jets takes that to a whole nother level. Um, yeah, but in that moment, it's just you. A, you're very grateful. You're you just realize that very few people are, are doing this right now. Uh, B, it's it, it literally is when people say, "Hey, you need to look at things from a different perspective." It literally is a fifty thousand foot perspective, which which gives you context around what's important and what's not. And I think you know that's I've lived a completely random life. If you if you look at how most people live their lives, and when most people would. Would, would spend three years invested in building a business and it's turning over millions of dollars, yeah, they'd probably sit back and enjoy the spoils, whereas I'd sell it and try and do it again and find another one, like constantly feeding this beast to, to do new I, and interesting things. I love it. Um, I love it. So, so yeah, as, so as, for me, that, that perspective and the near misses made me realize that like, you're, you're just one small uh, piece of the entire global machinery here. Everything that happens in your life rests with you and no one else that's that's powerful so just to kind of transition out of this into the business world you know before your um you know your your medical discharge what would you say you know looking back on it looking back on your military experience is one of those key lessons that were really fundamental for your future and current success in the business world action aligned to purpose is is what it all comes down to you've got to have an emotional connection uh which is, I like to call it, you know, you've got to have the artistic side. You've got to be able to feel like there's a, a certain romance or, or, or connectivity to your job. Because even being a fighter pilot, you know, it's, it's still work at, at the end of the day. And it's just, after you've done it for a while, it's the same thing all the time. But, but you can always go, but, you know, what else is out there? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm flying this aircraft. I, I get to get above the clouds when it's a bad day. I'm in service to my country. Mm. There's really not many bad things about this. So, you know, just yeah. get on with it. Again, again, it and goes back to perspective. Is, yeah, is, is action. Yeah, it's, planning's great, but planning only to a point. You've, you've got to do stuff. And, and and what fighter pilots do is think fast, right? And, and the biggest lesson I've learned, particularly as an entrepreneur, is the ability to be ahead of everyone else, to think faster, to process things quicker, to adapt quicker. Yeah, I'm talking to you now. I used to be a, a live keynote speaker, and I'm talking to you now. I've taught myself how to do it, how to how to build an on, online broadcasting uh, studio. I've got lights, cameras, green screens. You know, I've learned all about mixers, mics, you name it. Yeah, 
I didn't, I wouldn't have known any of that 12 months ago. Uh, so, so the ability to, to, to go, here's the problem, find the information and solve it quickly. And that, that's something that we learn. It's called situational awareness, right? I love it. And situational awareness is to say, hey, I need to get here. I don't have the knowledge right now, but I've got to go through a conscious process to, to, exactly. to create the knowledge quickly to deliver an outcome. So would you say that your, your training and your background being a fighter pilot made that transition a lot easier to civilian life versus some other folks in the military? I think it did. In hindsight, at the time, it sucked. At the time, it, it just felt like I had to do it. You know, I, uh, my, uh, I have an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis, and it only affects young men. Hmm. And it kind of it just fuses your spine and, and, and your bones together, right? Which is, um, and it's uh, degenerative, so it, ne- it never, ever goes away. Um, and it's genetic. You just inherit it from your family. So, so I knew the cockpit wasn't going to be... Uh, a future for me so and that was all i ever wanted to do uh, so i guess the second thing i never went to combat as a pilot so i felt like i had a bit of a hole there in terms of again at that time in my life i felt like we need to help iraq we need to help afghanistan we need yeah right. whatever the politics right now I'm, we need to rebuild the place so my first company ctg global was all about rebuilding uh and when i started my first business I, I had a really good mate of mine who I met in, in England when I was over there flying. Uh, and he and I got really drunk one night and made a commitment to each other to start a company one day. When I came back to Australia, he stayed in England. And we thought, look, yeah, we have no skills. All we know how to do is, be, he was in the army, I was in the Air Force. It's not non-transferable. Where, where will it be transferable? Maybe Afghanistan or Iraq. So we just moved hmm. to Afghanistan and made it happen, right? Um, and it, it reinforced something to me that I always look at when I'm in business now is, You've got to be in a market where supply is uh, always going to be less than the demand because people transact quickly, things happen faster, there's a real need for what you do. And what I thought about, you know, in the first world being in business versus over there was over here, everyone does everything. Like there's, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to start a beauty label and start selling makeup. I don't know how to, you know, get into high end fashion or, right. On it, you know, yeah, tech technology didn't didn't really exist. We're still sort of dial up internet back then. Uh, so it was, you know, so it was again as fighter pilots. We, ha- I, I have this thing. It's not a fighter pilot thing. I call it the the want plan do right. Um, Say that again. The one the, the one plan do. The want plan do. Right. The want plan do. So the want plan do is we all want everything. Okay. That that's what that's what we want. We, all, we want plan everything. do. We plan to do too much. So we, we want to run a marathon, so we plan to run half a marathon on the first day. Eyes are bigger than our mouth. And we do, yeah, and then we do nothing. <laughs> so, so, do nothing. So, this, so this this big gap between what you want, what you plan, and what you do uh, creates, it, it affects your well-being. And it's a, it's a cognitive bias all humans have. It's called the optimism bias, where we're always you know, biting off more than we can chew. And that's why we, we look at entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial programs, and it's like, you just got to, you saw the way entrepreneurs solve that problem is with energy, just throw more at it. Whereas I come at it from a different way, which is curb your expectations, bring your want down, uh, plan less, but get it done, do more. So you bring, you bring your do up and your want down and you have a small gap and you create this, what I like to call your, your small win momentum, where you're just winning a little bit every day. And what's really fascinating is being That's a practitioner good. of this particular concept. I like that. Um, That's a sound clip right there. Yeah. This 
I have to practice it myself. I, I noticed after a couple of weeks oh, in lockdown, I, I'd forgotten to exercise and I was, I was out of shape again. So I'm like, stop, stop trying to do a one hour workout. Your want is your, you want to be fit. You're planning to do more than you can do. And then you make a bite size, do what you do can. Listen, you have a newborn. You got to You got to be mindful of that. So let's, let's talk about, you know, going back to your time in Afghanistan even before, you know, committed uh, to good global. Tell us a little bit of what that was about when you decided to create that and, and the affiliate with the United Nations, how that came about. Yeah, so we originally went over with a, an aspiration to be like a security company to help out because um, that, again, just played to our strengths at the time. You know, we knew we knew, we knew sort of security in a, in a war-torn country. But very quickly, what we identified was that wasn't the issue. The, the issue was with the people that we were protecting, the, the mm. implementation agencies from the UN. Uh, so we sort of changed a little bit and, and we started to talk to them about why don't we help you actually do what, your job is rather than just protect we'll protect you as well we'll do all of it we'll hmm. we'll we'll secure ourselves and do the job what do you think about that and that just that just took off um and then one of when one of our guys was killed we had to figure out how to repatriate them so we started out we started afghanistan's first mortuary being an islamic country hmm. they didn't they didn't have them so that 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 was a huge business right there and we flipped that to a guy who went on and built a huge medical um clinic over there and in a global medical business uh, and um, and then yeah, we just focused in that humanitarian projects uh, market where you would just fly all, you know all over the world, Geneva, UN, meet with donors and, and agencies around the problems they're trying to solve, and you just solve them. It's Put fascinating. And, it's good stuff, man. It, it, and, it's it's and, it's an incredible career. I mean, that stood out to me. And another thing that stood out when I was doing my research um, in your bio, it says, "quote He's identified what it is about our innate humanness." Uh, that prevents us from living the life we dream about and the secrets to unlocking the power of the people around us to assist us with achieving our goals. It's a mouthful there, but that, but that stood out to me. You know, what, what is it innately about us that, that keeps us from achieving our goals? Is it that, 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 that what you just said before, the, the, the want, do, plan? Yeah, so it's, want, it's plan, do? plan, do. Want, plan, do. That'll, that'll stick with me. It's the end of my day here and the beginning of your day, so we're both kind of getting, you're revving up, I'm revving down. <laughs> <laughs> so wh why why would you ever believe you could be successful if everything you ever wanted you never get um and and you but you don't realize it's your fault because your brain is taught your brain's default programming is yeah your, your your brain is primal that's what it is it's it's yeah we're okay man to, yeah it's it's pure, designed to go out and eat when you're hungry right and anything else it will tell you stay in the cave Stay in the cave. It is too dangerous out it's there. It's fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. So so we we sit there and we never. The analogy I like to use is the is the free climbing rock climber. You know the the, the ones that climb with no ropes, no harnesses. Yeah, just their hands. No ropes, no harnesses. So what I learned is the more you put yourself out there without a safety net, the more you unlock your. You've got no. I have no idea. Sometimes the reserves that you find like. I feel you, man. I do it daily. I put myself out there. I have no idea what's about to happen. I'm just going to do it. And it harnesses an energy. You go into a different gear, a different mode. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just in there. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's really got me fascinated around the, the dose chemicals, the dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, the role that they play in, in giving you free energy, right? Uh, and, and those chemicals all need, all need you to win. They need adversity and they need to win in adversity, right? 
So, so when you're winning in inver- in, ad- in adversity, you get all this this free kick of of of, of, course. of neurochemicals. It's more powerful than heroin, um, and it's free. But again, we don't know that because no one bothers to to read about this stuff. Uh, so what what you find is that gives you a whole new level of momentum. And I, what what I will what I will consciously do at the end of the day, if I've just had one of those days where I haven't had the the consciousness to think about what I'm going to do, and I get to about two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I should. I really haven't done anything today. I just commit to doing one thing, and I turn everything off. I get one my task. phone out of the room, and and but that one thing has to be aligned with my with my purpose. And my purpose now is to help people surpass their expectations. I love it. I need marketing to do that. I need a good website. I need to create content. I need to read a book. I need to research, and 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 just constantly do something that fulfills that purpose that's good stuff there boo let me ask you what, what's this flex method um that you teach based on the principles of the air force i mean they've been doing it for 60 years how do you apply the flex method which is you know from your time in the air force to now in business tell everyone a little bit uh let's break down this flex is it an acronym so so flex is flawless execution and what flawless execution uh, it starts with the assumption that there's no such thing as perfection nope but there's no but it's no excuse to not get as close to the perfect outcome as you possibly can. You can. I don't know if my wife would believe that. I don't know if my wife would agree with that statement. Right? <laughs> I got. Awesome. I got to be perfect most of the time. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, she can read the book on Kindle, mate. Uh, so, and, and what what we've learned is every time fighter pilots tried to be perfect, they flew an aircraft into the ground. They killed themselves by accident. There was always a, a byproduct in the pursuit of perfection. So once we built errors into the system and, and allowed us to have them and and a, and a and a process to manage them to allow them but to manage them, that's what Flex does. So Flex basically says you need to plan, but only just enough to get alignment, right, of your own thoughts and of the people around you. If you want to be a leader and you want to influence people around you, the simplest thing to do is have a purpose and align them to it because most people don't have it, right? So, so most people want to be part of a journey. So so create that. Then communicate effectively because what you plan in your head is very different to how people interpret what you what you what you're thinking. And and one of the things we don't do very well in communication is check people understand. You know, media doesn't say, "Hey, this is happening. Do you understand that?" Or do you need me to explain it differently? So so that by by default, media is poor communication. Mm. So and so that works in any anything, right? Business, a relationship, you name it. Is, do, and one of the things I always say at the end of a statement or what I'm teaching is, does that make sense? Do you need me to say it another way? Uh, and, and I would say most, or not, I'll, I've done a thousand debriefs for companies over the last six or seven years. And I've distilled that down to, there's 26 things that every company does. But of those 26, there's only about six that cause 80% of the problems. It's a lack of planning and it's poor communication. It usually comes down to that in most things. It always comes down to that, the communication gap. Yeah. Uh, execution, right? Is the, so it's plan, brief, execute, debrief. Execution is all about flow. It's all about focus. You don't hop in your fighter jet and just, you know, get on your phone and look at Instagram while you're halfway through a mission. <laughs> and what do you mean? No, I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> you don't listen to music. 45,000 feet no looking at TikTok. Yeah, none of that. None of that. It's... It's complete focus <laughs> right. on execution of the plan. Right. And, and when we execute the plan, we know that's going to change minute by minute when you're flying, right? So 
So the plan is just enough to get the ball rolling and, and then you figure the rest out while you go. But the most important part of, of the flex methodology uh, is the debriefing piece, which is an open and honest appraisal of your own performance. So it's self-radical self, self candor. Yeah. Where did I want to get today? What did I plan and what happened? And, and you have a proactive conversation to figure out how to close those gaps. Bring your want, bring your expectation down and bring your... Uh, bring your execution up and i'll tell you it's it's one of the most it's one of the most fascinating thing when you have really great awareness around expectation management and i and i really try and do this as an entrepreneur no one wants to hear it everyone wants to hear the dream story the head in the clouds and it's and, and, I, the reality. There and I say well, this is what's if we do this it will happen if if you want to achieve that it's not going to happen and you're going to be annoyed and i'm going to be annoyed and we're going to create conflict because you're pushing me to commit to something that I can't deliver. And then I'm going to come up with a whole bunch of excuses. So you know, one of the keys to flex is setting the bar low. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's called, it's called, it's called under promise over deliver. That's one of my core foundations, right? right? And you know, I've got this new practice of thought now, which is, it's only really kind of six months in its Genesis. It's called deep performance, which is, High performance always talks about having a stretch target to strive to push people harder, but but not to ever achieve it. And and mm. I and I sit there and go, well, that's great for the ten percent of the planet who are masochists and yeah, and they love to, yeah, and they love to just you know fulfill, Kill themselves, yeah. feed their pain by never achieving that big goal. But relative to everyone else, they do really well. So why don't we why don't we create a world of deep performers where we unlock these neurochemicals by winning every day, just small things. I love and it. Everyone's happier. Everyone's more content. So ninety percent of the population gets a hell of a lot more done than ten percent. Right. So how, so how do you put that into practice? How do you execute on that? Because I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I'm a big believer in micro wins, right? Like, and I talk about it. One of my mantras every morning when I start my day is plan your work and work your plan. And there's parts of my day that are tactical. There's parts of my head in clouds. Some days. I mean, clouds and dirt. Some days I'm in the dirt. Some days I'm in the clouds. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of both. But every day I have my task list. Old school, I'm writing it down. And if I know if I accomplish, you know, at least half of these, or if I accomplish more than them, at least I'm getting things done. And those are a micro wins. And those micro wins, to your point, are reducing those chemicals that keep me going for bigger, better, and stronger. And that's, so what, what you said, it doesn't matter what you do. The fact you're bringing consciousness to it is what's important the fact you're thinking about it and, and the, the ability to think critically is in rapid decline. Short and, attention spans. It's killing us. Yeah. No yeah. one, no one thinks about anything. It just, people just, so, and that's, that's the real downside of, of customized feeds and, and Facebook algorithms, and algorithms are killing us. They're killing us. So, so let me ask you with all the different types of businesses that you've been involved with for the human humanitarian nonprofits to real estate development and more, how do you decide what's this thought process of whether or not you want to get involved in a new piece of business, especially if it's a completely different vertical? It has to be disruptive. Like I, it has to be, I, I'm really bad with authority. I was bad at school. I, I, I hate, doing things with the way it's being done I, I will never ever go anywhere and say oh that's you know that's a good way of doing things even if it is i'll just always ask why why do we do it that way so with the humanitarian projects business it was to deliver where was the gap uh, the un couldn't deliver services in dangerous areas because it was they had uh, right. uh duty of care obligations to their people uh, so we could fill that gap right because we understood that risk so it wasn't risky for us because it was our world so 
So there was a gap there, we filled it. Uh, in construction, it was building buildings quickly. Uh, so what we did was we, we worked with a builder to create a technology that you could build the building in a controlled environment in a factory and put it up on a, uh, in a crane. You could build a whole mm-hmm. one floor of a high-rise building in a day. So we built a 17-story tower in 11 weeks, yeah. uh, which is a record. So that was disruptive, the, 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 the construction methodologies. Uh, then it was publishing, and publishing was about how do, how do we take a print magazine and Interesting. Cr- turn it into a digital publishing business. And I knew nothing about digital. So, that was, and I wanted, so I wanted to learn about digital. It was an aviation magazine, so I loved aviation. Um, and it was the magazine I read when I was a kid at, and put all the posters on the wall. So, so there's a lot of purpose with that one, and it was going out of business. So, so everything, and, and because it was different and because I had to prove to people that it would work, that kept me motivated. Hmm. Uh, and, now it's, and now I'm probably at the most challenging phase of my life, which is trying to share that with other people to help them do it. And this is, I've never done that before. I've never been a coach or that's a challenge. Been a thought, you know? Yeah, you're but, always you're always yearning you're always yearning you're always yearning for that challenge. Um, you share a common motto with one of my former guests, uh, United States veteran Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. "Quote: Never give up." Why do you think that saying is so prominent amongst those who have served or currently serve? Because if you do, someone's going to die. It's Simple. A huge yeah, <laughs> death is, is a is yeah. Living is a huge motivator. Yeah, and. It's, um, it's really inter- interesting when I work in huge businesses, one of the challenges they say is there's, there's no consequence for poor performance here. There just isn't one. And, and I, I came from an environment where you know, poor, poor performance equal you know, terminal outcomes. My never give up though was never give up on your dream because for me, it was a poster of a stork on a wall with a frog wringing its neck, you know, trying not to get eaten. And, and it was a poster that said never give up. And that to me was never give up on your dream because Every single day you're being assessed. You're being assessed on how you eat, how you march, how mm-hmm. you fly, how you do ground school. And it's it's relentless pressure and, and a microscope on you where and it's and and no one ever says good job, ever. All it is is okay, here's what you need to work on tomorrow. Here, here's what you need to work on tomorrow. Here's what you need to work on tomorrow. And it it's just relentless. Um and and it's almost I used to I used to constantly think in my head it goes the best person for this job is a robot. If you were a robot and you had zero emotions, you'd be an awesome fighter pilot. Jeez, and the good. guys who were awesome were, were very emotionless. So I learned about this. You uh, got to take the emotion out. Yeah. You got you got to take but emotion out of the equation. For me was on the days when I didn't fly well, uh, on mm-hmm. the days I didn't feel like studying, on the days I I just you know didn't feel great. I just had to. I looked at the poster. I opened my books and I just got on with it. And as you know, mate, is the thing about focus and work is just get started. Just, just, just sit action, something. action, just start. I, I talk about this all the time. You know, the ideas are nothing unless you execute on them. You got to take action to it. You know, you really do. So, so let me, let me, let me ask you this as before we bring it home here, I want to talk you about know, the like Clayton Christensen's research on that, mate, uh, around ideas, realization of ideas. And he studied 15,000 product launches Sorry, 30,000 product launches and 1,500 exceeded. So only 5% of ideas generate income. And that's in big organizations that have, but that are funded, are capitalized. Yeah, they have the resources. Uh, so, so this, this you know, one out of 10 businesses succeed. Uh, 8% of people achieve their life goals. Success is a really, a really small statistic. Hmm, interesting. Let's talk about the podcast for a moment there, the few. 
And uh, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the name of it comes from, you know, the, the few who make it through uh, the Air Force training, correct? Is that where the name comes from? It's, it's, it's Genesis's fighter pilots in the Battle of Britain. Uh, and Winston Churchill said, never in the field of human conflict have so many, the population of England, owed so much to so few, the fighter pilots that, that kept the Luftwaffe away. Uh, so that's, so, and, and what, it, what the theory is, 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 is this small percentage of, of people that, that actually have a disproportionate effect on, on, the, on the planet, right? Uh, so I, th- I, had a, I had a theory, and I just, I just got the brand, the few, and I went, well, I, wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's some legs to this. And I thought, well, let's, let's go to the podcast and let's see if we can find these people. Uh, and it's and that's that's what started it. And I'm a huge believer that that there are just a few, and that's just life. And a lot of people don't want to be those that person, and that's cool. They just they, you know they want to have a job and have the jet ski and have a, have a house and get their kids through school, and that's fine too. But you know there is a group of people, and and we can learn. Anyone can learn from them, and apply apply the lessons. So, Tremendous. So it was two pronged. One was to bring their stories. The selfless side was to bring their stories to a broader audience. Uh, and the selfless side was to learn from, from myself to see if this theory actually held water. Yeah. What, what, have, what have you learned? And I love asking fellow podcasters this. What have, what have you learned about yourself through the podcasting journey? Oh, that sometimes, even though you think you've thought of everything, you can find yourself massively out of your depth. We, we interviewed a, a lady called Dana Vaughan, who uh, was a, a super attractive young, young woman in, in her early 20s. And she was misidentified by a spurned girlfriend and had petrol poured all over and third degree burns to her entire body. Uh, you know, li- literally had holes. You look at the medical pictures that you can literally see into it, right. internal organs through her skin. It, it was that bad. And to watch her journey and, uh, and, and overcome that and the challenges for, for women and beauty and, and, and I'm just so out of my depth. One, I, I, I'm not a woman, so I don't understand the context of, of that. Two, I can't imagine what it must have been like. She said she just remembered being in the shower, you know, trying to trying to wash the fuel off and, and put the fire out. And and in that moment, you're just like... What do I say? What do I say as a host? What do I say at this moment? And yeah. I had to say that. I said, look, I'm so out of my depth right now. And Sean, my, my co-host, we're like, we don't even know what to say. I mean... It's, it, it, what, what do you do? So, so, so just, and that inspired that, that just, I, sometimes I lose faith in humanity, right? Um, and you just turn on the TV. I don't even turn on the TV anymore. But there's just so much about humanity that, that makes you pause for thought. And then you see something like that and you go, you know what? There's, there's good in all of us. Yeah, it, it's powerful. Podcasting is definitely powerful when you're connecting and having those conversations. So let's bring it home here. And I ask every one of my guests this, Boo, what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? Uh, there's two. One is, one. Is, let's say one is action and one is resilience. Sure. So the, resi- the resilience one is um, nothing's ever as good or as bad as it seems. Uh, so it's it, no matter how you feel, it's it, you it's up to you to say, okay, well, it's, it, it isn't a big deal. And I remember when I was younger, everything was a big deal, right? Uh, so that was um, that was a good one. And then the 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 thing that uh, inspires me to action is my family. Uh, and I just had a new baby, a mid forties, had a new baby, and and for me that was that for me gets me through my um, procrastination, uh, the thing, the times I just want to rest on my laurels. 
I could have taken the easy route and just had a nice life, but I've, I've chosen to grow my family, have a new partner and, and hit the reset button. And I find that having to provide for that little person is, is the thing that gets me going at the end of the day. So whilst there's all this stuff about purpose for yourself, you know, the true purpose is to live your life for others. That is, that's the key. Yes, I love it. And, and you, I mean, you literally answered my, my last question here, which is really about your North Star and your compass. And I think you hit the nail on the head on this one, that, that the serving and being there for others is, is really what it's all about. So I'll reverse it. You know, Boo, you look back, you know, you look back, um, you know, on your life, you look back at the ups and downs, the challenges, the successes, you know, what is it that has pulled you through that? What is, what is your superpower? What makes you different, unique, powerful, and one of those true change-making doers in this world? What is your superpower? I don't care what other people think. I just don't care. And I don't, I don't, I don't care about no, I don't care about can't. I, 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 I care that they have an opinion, but it doesn't influence my decision. If someone says to me, yes, no, or it's a, it obstructs me to get to my destination, all, all I think is, well, I need to either influence this person and, and explain it better or move around them. And the analogy I use is, You've got to be the water in the river, not the rock. And and sometimes you just gotta you just gotta work your way around it. Your destination's the ocean. Uh, it's it's not to sit in the dirt the whole time, uh, making problem for the water. Boo! I call that tenacity, and you got that in spades, my man. And I appreciate you. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me, everyone. I want everyone to check out uh, the Few Leadership Podcast. But where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more? Uh, just go to callmeboo.com and. Uh, reach out say hi it'd be, it'd be great to meet uh, meet whoever comes and <laughs> lands on the website so call me boo.com i mean if you're going to google search i'm sure you've had some strange things come up on that right i mean it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah just don't just don't look at the instagram account no awesome well boo i certainly appreciate you i'm looking forward to coming on your show in a couple of weeks i'm looking forward to yeah, once we, to have you yeah once we once we get out of this lockdown man again once we get out of this lockdown, um, Australia is on my list of places to visit. I'm looking forward to making the trip down under. Boo, I appreciate you, and I want to thank everyone who's joining us today on the podcast. You know where to find us all at thepodcast.com. Follow us on all the social media channels. Remember, look out for one another, take care of each other, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us. It's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>